Hi everyone, and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Weymouth in Dorset by the sparkling blue sea. It never rains, it's always sunny. This podcast began during lockdown. We galloped through or sauntered through many, many books of the Bible now. I'm a disciple of Jesus and my job is to encourage you and encourage other people to walk with him. Um, sorry if you've just come in on the podcast I've already done the first couple of verses we're just saying we're in chapter 8 of Hebrews that the point in what we're saying is this we have such a high priest one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven a minister in the in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up not man so we were saying that there is there was no seat in the um, tabernacle or in the the um, temple of Solomon. The only seat which existed actually was in the most holy place, in the very holy of holies, behind the big curtain. Uh, badger skins about a foot thick, and we were saying that actually the seat is where God's presence sat and dwelt among in the center of the community of his people. And so all the operations of the priests were going on around him, but there is a seat in heaven, which is the true tabernacle, the true temple. Everything else that we saw on earth in the time of Moses and the time of David and the time of Solomon these things were just a shadow but there's a reality that exists in heaven that these other things are a shadow of and in this reality in heaven Jesus our great high priest is seated right beside the father the majesty in heaven this is so cool so there are two thrones and Jesus and the father are sat side by side wow and this is this true heavenly reality. Verse 3 then. Sorry for everyone who's heard that bit twice. Um, for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest to have something to offer. Now if he were on earth he would not be a priest at all. Since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. And they serve a copy of and a shadow of the heavenly things. Right, let's pause there for a second. So they're saying that the high priest, their role on the earth, we've had this before, is a bit kind of rep repetitious, but their job was to offer gifts and sacrifices to God, and so they didn't come empty-handed. In fact, when the high priest went into the holy place once a year, he went in with blood, and an, a sacrifice had already been made and he went in to pray and intercede for the nation and the people of Israel. And so, um, but now, now he says in verse 4 this really interesting statement. He says, now if he were on earth, that's Jesus, he would not be a priest at all. That's so interesting. There would be no job 
for Jesus at the temple. And interestingly, when he did go to the temple a few times, first of all, he, we, we hear of him going as a young boy and he sits and engages with the theologians and the Bible teachers and he asks them all these questions and engages with them. And it must have been a really, really interesting day for them to have this bright young spark in there asking all these incredible questions. And I would love to, again, I'd love to know the kind of things he was talking to them about and discussing with them. But then we also see on the day we celebrate as Palm Sunday, Jesus going into the temple and he sees all the money changers and the kind of merchandising and the uh, profiteering out of God's people who are trying to just come and worship and all these people extracting all the coin out of them and doing money changing and all this kind of business. And he's furious and he kicks it all over and he drives him out with a whip and it's a really quite a shocking representation of Jesus and he certainly is not meek and mild in on that occasion he's terrifying he's glorious and he's cleansing his temple and he's he's saying this whole thing has become a den of thieves well what he's doing is he's kind of bringing an indictment against the whole system and he's saying this is no good this is kaput it's not fit for purpose. So anyway, he wouldn't have a job as a priest. He certainly wouldn't after that. <laughs> he would fail his interview badly. But there was no role for Jesus in the physical temple other than being a prophetic voice saying this is this is condemned as not fit for purpose. Anyway, so he's saying, verse 5, that these priests come and they offer these the sacrifices Good morning, Linda, and good morning, Sarah. Great to see you. He's saying they 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 serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. Let's just think about that. A shadow is insubstantial, isn't it? Every child has tried to get hold of their shadow at some point, I'm sure. And I think it was Peter Pan who didn't have a shadow and he had to have it sewn on or something ridiculous. But there's something about a shadow that's really insubstantial and the clouds pass over the sun and the shadow disappears, doesn't it? And it's like, well, and this is what the old covenant rituals are in comparison to what Jesus is. And so uh, the writer of the Hebrews is really laboring a point and saying this old business has hasn't done its purpose it's finished and it's being replaced by something better verse five again so the second half for when moses was about to erect the tent he was instructed by god saying see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain so moses was given the instructions of how to build the tabernacle on the mountain of God, where God spoke to him and gave him the Ten Commandments, he gave him these clear instructions of what to build and how to build it, because it was all symbolic. It was all speaking and foreshadowing something really important and speaking about a heavenly reality that was to be demonstrated on the earth in a kind of almost theatrical kind of way. And it was there, it was a bit theatrical. There were there, people had roles and they acted out certain functions, but it was nonetheless the the 
kind of connection point between God and man. And in this holy place was God's presence and God's glory. Right, verse 6. But as it is, Christ has obtained a better ministry. Sorry, a ministry... Wait, let me not put words into it. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. Wow. Now, Paul says to the Galatians that actually all who rely on the law um, are under a curse. All who rely on works of the law are under a curse. So if you're trying to keep the law, actually you're cursed. And it goes on to say, for it is written, curse is everyone who does not abide by all things written on the, in the book of the law and do them. And of course, the reality is that nobody can do them all because everybody's coveted something. Everybody, by the time they're a certain age, probably is told a lie many of us will have committed hatred which is like murder as Jesus explains and so anyone who's going to try and be good enough to keep the law actually is going to fail and so Jesus now the ministry that he has is much more excellent than the old covenant um, it's, it's much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises and that the promises that if we come to Jesus in faith and surrender and ask if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness this is so much better isn't it we're not just and he and he sets us free from the slavery to sin and death where we have we're we're doomed to keep repeating the same patterns but he actually breaks us out of that slavery and sets us free and so the the covenant and the that he mediates is better when we celebrate the lord's supper with the bread and wine we're celebrating the covenant the new covenant that jesus mediates he says this is the new covenant in my blood do this as he gives them the wine. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So verse 7, for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For if he finds fault with them, sorry, for he finds fault with them when he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant and I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. Wow. So he's saying that there's a he's picking up now this prophecy from Jeremiah chapter 31. And he says, actually, God found fault with the people. So. When we're looking at the old covenant, we're thinking, well, hold on a minute. It was God's idea to make this covenant. Why is he now finding fault with it? But actually what he's doing, he's finding fault with the people. And he says, actually, I made this covenant with them, but they did not continue in my covenant. So they didn't walk in it. They didn't walk it out. They didn't keep their side of the bargain, which was to follow actually 
they their their requirement of them was to follow these certain practices celebrate these certain festivals and make their sacrifices for their sins and so on but they didn't keep it up they they allowed it to fall into disuse and they but the most important thing was that their hearts drifted and they started worshiping idols and they became like the other nations around them and that was the point really was their hearts drifted and so god says so i showed no concern for them and actually there were times in Israel's history where it's almost as if God turned his back on them and just left them to their fate. And then their enemies would come in and enslave them and tyrannize them. And and they would, in that place of brokenness and despair, often then they would turn back to God. But this is what he says, verse 10. So this is still from Jeremiah 31. He says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, isn't it so much better if the law is internalized in us where God's requirements are in us in in our hearts? So actually we're desiring to keep God's law voluntarily rather than having it imposed on us from outside in a kind of structural institutional kind of way where we <clears throat> have to do these things on certain days and so on and actually what God is promising through Jeremiah is something different he's promising a new covenant and so Really, all of this, the, the writer to the Hebrews is saying, should not come as any great surprise to you if you've actually read the Old Testament scriptures. But no doubt, like many people who read the Bible, they read the scriptures with kind of blinkers on and didn't really understand what it was saying. So he's expositing, he's expounding the scriptures and saying, here we go. This is what Jeremiah was prophesying, for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, which is after the time of pain and judgment, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 11, and they shall not teach each one his neighbours and his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I'll remember their sins no more. Wow, that is incredible. What God is saying actually is I'm going to put that law in their hearts. But actually even better than that, I'm going to be merciful towards their iniquities and I'm going to remember their sins no more. Wow, how is that even possible that God could remember my sins no more? God is the God. He knows everything. He can't just forget stuff and like, oh, I've forgotten all about that. What a surprise. He chooses to not remember them anymore. He puts them out of his mind. And because he's God, he can choose what he remembers and what he thinks about and what he calls to mind. He chooses to bring it to mind no more. He chooses to not remember them so he's putting them out of his mind but that's only possible because Jesus has paid for those sins that the debt has been paid and he can 
he can say, it's done, it's paid for, it's finished. So I'm not going to keep remembering the offence, the crimes. I'm going to remember that actually Jesus has paid for poor white and his blood has covered his sin. It's atoned for, it's all paid for, it's washed clean. So here we go. Verse 13 then, then here's the kicker. This is this is really the summary of this chapter. He's saying, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is become what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Well, as Jesus walked into the temple on that day, which we celebrate as Palm Sunday, and said, you've turned the house of God. In. This was supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. Jesus was kind of like bringing that indictment against the, the priesthood and their system of worship. And he was saying, this is finished. And now the writer to the Hebrews is just underlining that. And he's prophesying that what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Wow, who could have thought that in a few short years, by 70 AD, there would come that dreadful attack on Jerusalem and the temple and the priests who would be holed up in there with the um, with the zealots fighting for their last stand of Jerusalem would be completely obliterated the temple would be torn down not one stone would be left on top of each other as jesus prophesied jesus said it's all coming down this whole thing is finished the writer to the hebrews is still at the time of writing the temple is still there we believe but in a few short years it will come down and be completely finished and yet we have this confidence that actually that was only ever a shadow it was only ever something insubstantial looking forward to something that is eternal speaking about something that is eternal and in that eternal reality that that greater reality that better covenant is jesus there seated at the right hand of the majesty on high and so even though this old covenant has passed away, it's been replaced with something so much more glorious, where actually God can give us his very spirit to live inside us, to dwell in us, the Holy Spirit, the very heart, the very nature of God. The Apostle Peter says we've become partakers of the divine nature. It's like God puts his own heart into us. It's not like he's just trying to, Oh, somehow make our old heart a bit better and patch it up. He's given us a new heart. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and He will, and they shall be my people. That is the the reality that the old covenant was always reaching forward to it was always anticipating the day when this great high priest would make a way into the presence of God for you and for me it, to include not just the Jews um, not just the house of Israel and Judah but the Gentiles as well and so in Galatians chapter 3 Paul goes into some 
detail of explaining how this now is for the Gentiles as well. And so that's how come you and I get to be there. And we have access through the same Jesus, through that eternal covenant. Oh God, how amazing is that? So listen, guys, whatever you're doing today to celebrate the coronation, or if you're attending an auspicious wedding, as I am, may God bless you and keep you and smile on you. And may you know that work of the Holy Spirit in your heart as God just breathes into you today. And his law is alive in you. And it's your appetite is to do his will. Amen. Have an amazing day. If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I hope for. Please do share it, like it, pass it on, get it out there. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.